always good to have the vamps there just in case. No, you're right. No, because we need we need that that random intro. It's a it's a great lead in for just you yeah. Know, that's that's the that's our it's thing. Seinf- now. It's Seinfeldian. I love it. That's right. I have invented uh, ad libbing. You've invented the comedy of nothing. I've discovered it. It's my idea. And I'm excited for what uh, the future of that space holds. I have a trademark. Welcome back. It is week three in the Big Ten, and you're listening to the Burn Down the Big Ten podcast. I am George Eisner, your host, and I'm joined by Mr. Benjamin Gorin. Ben, Hello. how you doing today, sir? Uh, I'm hanging in. It's a wonderful hanging Tuesday in. night here in Chicago. It's like 85 degrees, and then it's going to get cold all of a sudden. But I'm enjoying the last gasp of summer. How are you, George? You know, I'm good, but I think I just fell into the twilight zone because it's actually Wednesday where I'm at. So if it's Tuesday night where you're at, then we're, oh my God, we, it we, is might Wednesday. Run, we might run into some issues here with, <laughs> with recording and I don't know, just staying along the same space time continuum. Yeah, so if, if any, if, if we cut out or anything, folks, we apologize, but I'm just slowly you know. losing my mind. It's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. It's okay. Well, you know what? That t- that tends to be the case when you're a fan of a Big Ten football team. And uh, to to that point, <laughs> it was a it was an interesting weekend. Uh, little some blowouts, some some upsets. Uh, we we're two for two on calling our uh, which Big Ten team is gonna is gonna lose this weekend, and I'm I'm very proud of that because Nebraska did indeed fall to Colorado. So we're uh, <laughs> we're we're off to a flying start here out of the gate. Uh, yeah, so much for my around. first two weeks of saying that Nebraska is actually great, though. That kind of yeah. died pretty fast. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. I don't know if the faith <laughs> would have lost uh, total faith in Scott Frost yet, but I'm sure that seat is starting to get a little warm. We would be remiss if we did not begin today with what was one of the the funnier college football games I've I've had the pleasure of watching in a long time, at least as an Ohio State fan, and that would be. Army versus Michigan. Now, I gleaned something from the very end of this game that I thought shed some light on where Michigan kind of is at as a program under Harbaugh. But, Ben, I would love to hear your take on this first, considering when I texted you about this while the game was going on on Saturday, you were convinced that Michigan was still going to run away with it. So what what sort of insight, if any, did you glean from Michigan's uh, – near-death experience versus Army this past weekend. They're going to be fine. Like, they're going to be fine. They, they've really, like, severely outplayed Army in this game. And if a couple of weird really? fumbles bounce their own way, they would have been just fine, and we wouldn't be talking about them. They wouldn't have covered the 20, but they, they were clearly the better team. Like, there's no question about that. I'm super not worried about this game. Like... Granted, I was saying that Michigan was going to blow them out and that it was going to be totally fine and that I'm heavily indebted in Michigan is actually good future stock at this point. But I'm, I'm not that worried. Michigan is another team that I think has a little bit of a longer runway in terms of when they actually have to be good. They're breaking in a new offense. Shea Patterson's ball security is a real problem. Like That's the one thing that I think you should be seriously concerned about if you care about Michigan, which I'm sure no one listening to this podcast does. Um, but I'm not freaked out about it. I'm really not. Michigan's a really good team. Army's a really hard team to play um, for so many reasons. Like, yeah, Michigan probably should have won by a lot more. But 
I don't know. It doesn't scare me the way it seems to have scared everyone else. Well, I don't know how long that runway is that you're talking about because they do, they've got to buy this weekend and then they play Wisconsin next week. And that very early on is going to be a game that kind of, you know, is going to have a big impact in terms of whatever their end of season goals are. And that's kind of the point that I want to make because I think that a lot of Michigan fans and people that have a general you know, conception of what Michigan wants to be think that they know what their plans are, which is to be a contender for the college football playoff and win a Big Ten title. But watching the end of that game and watching the Michigan players run into the stands and celebrate with the fans that were booing them at the half that would have booed them had Army kicked the field goal in regu- at the end of regulation to win the game. I, I just – I had to understand or think at least what what is their end goal in terms of what they want as a team? What do they want to accomplish? And I, I, I'll, I'll never forget watching this. It was so funny watching Jim Harbaugh feverishly blow the whistle – running after these kids that were running into the stands to celebrate like a, a second grade camp counselor that had just lost, you know, control of his, of his kids. It was insane. He had no control. It was, he had no control over the, the kids that were running into the stands to celebrate. So we think that the program is off the rails because some people were celebrating an overtime win. Uh, why? Why are you celebrating a a near death experience against Army? Because you didn't all, lose. No, no team should schedule. No team that wants to compete for the college football playoff or uh, or any of that should ever schedule Army or Navy or any of them again. Because if you beat them, congrats, you beat Army. If you lose that detonates your entire season in terms of your end of season goals. And nobody's going to respect the fact that you won or lost either way to a team that's allergic to throwing the football and runs the triple option religiously. I mean, it was unpalatable football and Michigan still almost lost. And the fact that the game was so ugly and that even then that you, okay, great. You avoided the loss but you didn't do it in impressive fashion because army really did at the end of the day, beat themselves. They ended towards the end of the game. They two of the three passes that they ended, that they attempted resulted in turnovers. And that ultimately ended up being the difference. And I, I cannot imagine how someone can come out of that game and think that they're going to look even remotely competitive against Wisconsin. Who's a team that, while they certainly don't have a passing attack to write home about, can at least throw the ball downfield with more confidence than Army did and have maybe the best rushing attack in the country, certainly the best running back at least. And even though they've got two weeks to prepare, I just don't see any sort of circumstance where they're going to beat Wisconsin or really that they're even going to look competitive against a lot of the other ranked Big Ten teams going forward. I'm very, very pessimistic on them. That that strikes me as just such a wild overreaction. Like, you know, I I think it's really easy early in the season to just put a ton of weight into what you see, and there's not a whole lot of things for for you to look at at this point. And, like, I get it. I get that, you know, almost losing to Army shouldn't be a recipe for a huge amount of optimism. 
my, my opinion on Michigan is the same as it was before. They're probably the third best team in the Big Ten East. They're a really good team in a lot of ways, and they've got a lot of they've got some things to figure out, mostly on the offensive side of the ball. But I don't, I, I would not blow this out to be more than it is, which was that it was a bad performance that they got away with. College football teams have a lot of those over a college football season. I mean, if they're 18 to 22 year old kids, you're not bringing your A game every single night out. And if you can have your C minus game or whatever it was that they had against Army and come out with a win, good for you and go and celebrate it. I mean, that's that's fine. I, I, that's that's totally okay. They're going to have two weeks to prepare for an incredibly one-dimensional Wisconsin team who has their own set of flaws, too. And if there's a team that you have to worry more about playing up a level, it's definitely Wisconsin. It's not Michigan. Wisconsin's offense doesn't seem to like be an offense that's going to go real well if they have to play a real defense, where Michigan has kind of more outs, it feels like. But it's just it's it's one bad game. You got away with it. Shea Patterson needs to hold on to the ball and not literally hand it to the other team. But I, I really do think it's going to be okay. It's, there's, they're not the best team in the Big Ten East. From the start of the season, even if you're incredibly high on Michigan, you had to know that they, a lot of things would have had to bounce their way. And that's still true. They're still below Ohio State. They're probably still below Penn State, but they're still a good football team. And I would not write them off yet. And I wouldn't write them off at least until they play Wisconsin. And I would still think that they're going to win that game. Like there's just so much time. And this was just one really, really bad performance. Well, I will, I will give them this. They did have a fumble return for a touchdown that was unfairly taken away from them on what was ruled down. They were, the guy was ruled down and they then said it wasn't a reviewable play. And, that would have given them certainly some good momentum before the half. And they, they did, to their credit, show that when they did get those brief glimpses of momentum, they capitalized on them, were able to turn it into points, and you know were able to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. But I, I, it's, it, it's just really tough for me to see a team struggle against an offense that is so one-dimensional that, it, that gets run all the way down to right. Pop Warner so like- that co- – Go ahead. So like it's one dimensional, but it, the triple option is objectively hard to stop. I mean, there's a reason why teams run it. Like, yeah, you have to practice for it, but it's hard to practice against. Like, what, I, it's, it's not what that teams deal. out of the independents other than Georgia Tech run the triple option? Uh, outside, yeah, more teams should. I'm, I, <laughs> Indiana should be a triple option team. It's a great <laughs> equalizer. If you can't recruit great offensive linemen, you should run the triple option. Like genuinely, it should be more popular in college football. It's the only way Georgia Tech was ever going to be remotely competitive was to play that kind of offense. It's why every single service academy does it. It's not because they like being old school. It's because their offensive linemen are 250 pounds. So you have to do stuff like this. Also, Michigan outgained Army by 100 yards, and they only punted one time. You win that game 99% of the time. Like, purely statistically, it's a game that they controlled. And if the game was a little bit closer to the math and they won by, you know, 8 or 10 or something like that, there are probably still things to be unhappy about. But at the at the end of the day, it would have been just totally okay. But a couple of weird things happen. It goes to overtime. They are kind of lucky to get out of it. And the sky has fallen. Like, that's just kind of – that's just not how I view this kind of game, especially not when it's only two games into the season. 
All right. Well, that's fair. I guess we've got two different stances on it, but I do think that this is going to be a sign of worse things to come this season. And, you know, to your point that you made on our first episode, I, I do think that after this and, you know, if they, if the ceiling does start falling a little bit, Harbaugh definitely is going to be feeling the heat harder than Franklin. And I, I don't know if we keep seeing, if we keep seeing results like this, I honestly don't know if he's going to be able to last you know, past this season, but yeah, I mean, point, Michigan's you can gonna... give them, I think you can give them this week, you know, Wisconsin, you need to be in that game, but yeah, if they lose to Wisconsin, they lose to Iowa. It's going to be bad. I don't think that's going to happen, but yeah, there's definitely, there's not a whole lot of runway for Harbaugh. I think that there's a little bit of runway for this team to get good, but Harbaugh is still just not a comfy situation. I think. Well, they do have an interesting sandwich with uh, they've got Wisconsin after their bye, and then I think they've got Rutgers in between that, yep. and then I think they play Iowa immediately after that. So they're getting two of the arguably strongest teams in the Big Ten West and a nice little Rutgers Oreo right there, and uh, we'll we'll see how it pans out. But again, they're on a bye. We've we've talked about them enough and laughed at, or at least I've laughed at their misfortune. <laughs> you clearly didn't think it was funny as I did, but everything's let's move okay. On. Because there's a sleeping giant that has been awakened in the Big East, and it's the Maryland Terrapins. Now, we didn't talk about them in week one because they played Howard, and they beat Howard 79 nothing. So we didn't really think that merited much discussion. But then they played number, one, number 21 Syracuse this past weekend, and they hung 63 on them, and the points came fast, and they came early, and they came – in a variety of impressive fashions. Now, I, we knew Anthony McFarland was legit since the Ohio State game last season. What I was not aware of was that their transfer, Josh Jackson, at quarterback, is slinging it. And they're going to be very there's, – I, I think that towards the end of the season, there's going to be a very, very realistic chance that they have the chance to – Jesus, I'm misspeaking all over the place today. They, There's going to be a very good chance for them to say that they're the best backfield tandem in the Big Ten, rivaling Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins, just based on the production that we've seen. And I have I was very impressed. I'm not sure about you, but I, I'm, I'm pretty afraid of the Turtles. I don't know about you, though. They can run the ball extremely, extremely well. I'm watching even just a little tiny bit of the Syracuse game. That became apparent really quickly. I mean, they were they were opening up holes that I could run through. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was very, very easy for them to get a whole lot of yards. And in that regards, yeah, I think they are legit in that sense. I think that they are maybe the best rushing attack that the Big Ten. Nah, I mean, not the best, but they have an elite rushing attack. I think that that's fair to say. Josh Jackson made a lot of good throws, made some not-so-good throws. He's definitely, I think, better than most people had expected. I don't know if Syracuse is actually a top-25 team. It'll be interesting to look back on this game at the end of the year and try and figure out how good of a win this actually was. But, yeah, I mean, at the, you can't be too upset, right? I mean, Maryland looked great. That's a really, really great game for them. Real I mean, quick for our listeners. You're right about their rushing attack. Ben Gorin was a high school state champion athlete, so don't don't sell yourself so short true. there in terms of athletic That's athleticism. So, so true. It it is. Yeah. Anyway, I got uh, a four two forty. <laughs> just say just you have a sub, say you have a sub six forty. 
That, that's that's honest. Uh, I don't know. I don't better, know. It's better than I ran. I ran a six flat, which was still faster than Tough Borland ran last year. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but I will say this to your point. Syracuse definitely does not look like a top 25 team, and their quarterback was very, very inept, I thought, in this game. One of the interceptions that he threw, he threw the ball to a receiver that was already out of bounds that the only player on the field that even had a chance of making a play on it was a Maryland defender that was still in bounds. So I, and if memory serves me correctly, there wasn't a Is that something you should do? Uh, not, it's not recommended, at least in my experience. Okay. Cool. Um, but just wanted to make sure. Yeah, we're no, we confirmed it. But <laughs> I, I, I still you hang sixty three points on a top ranked opponent. I don't think that anybody saw this coming. I thought that people were thinking that there was probably going to be a bit of regression, uh, just strictly based on the fact they scored seventy nine against Howard the week earlier. But I, I came away very impressed with the offense. And to be honest, I looking watching them play. I had to think that this, to a certain extent, was kind of what the op- people that were optimistic about Purdue expected Purdue to look like. That's that's extremely – that's a really, really good way to think of that team. And like to go back to episode one, right? Like this is a team that's completely and utterly f***ed by being in the Big Ten East. Yeah. Like if they were in the Big Ten West and they played those two games, I think I'd be talking about how, yeah, they can definitely compete and maybe show up in the Big Ten Championship. Like, I think there's no doubt that they're good enough to be one of the best teams in the Big Ten West, which still puts you third and a half in the Big Ten East. Like, that's the big bummer. My opinion on them has changed in regards to, like, oh, you know, they're a six and six, seven and five team. Like, oh, this team actually, like, has some teeth to it. And it's a team you have to show up to play because they can catch you out if you don't. Um, But, yeah, I mean, what a bummer for Maryland, honestly. Like, they were just... In the other division, it would be just such a different timber this season. Well, to, there's to be no fair way to they're going to have a better year than Ohio their State. Their schedule is – it's much softer than you would think it would be. So they've got they've got Temple this weekend, which you would expect them to blow the doors off of Temple. Then they've got Penn State, but they've got them at home. And, and Penn right. State, at least in that first half last week, did not impress against Buffalo. And I it's awfully good in the second half, though. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> they they made they adjusted, but they adjusted against Buffalo. So I'm very I I don't think it's crazy to pick Maryland over Penn State in that game based on the fact that they're at home. I, I really don't. And then when you look at their schedule after that, they've got at Rutgers and then at Purdue. They play Indiana at home. Then they play at Minnesota, and then they've got Michigan at home. And I would expect Michigan to have faltered a little bit by then and fallen out of their top 10 ranking. And then they play at Ohio State, but they don't play at Ohio State until November 9th. And I think there's a very, very realistic case to be made that they could be undefeated by the time they go to Columbus. And that game, if you watch that, I know I hear you chuckling, but it's a a bit much. (laughs) The only two ranked teams are going to play are Penn state and Michigan. The only two ones. And they have them both at home and they've both not looked at at least up to the standards that you would expect from them so far this year. Yes. I mean, yeah, they are still Maryland. So like, you know, can you really give them the that they're going to win every game that they should? I don't, I don't trust that yet. But yeah, their crossover games are friendly. You know, they get Nebraska at home. Nebraska's going to be a decent team by the end of the season. But like, that's good. And they get Michigan and Penn State at home, like you said. But to be an actual 
title contender in the Big Ten East, you need to win two of those three big games and hold serve on everything else. And that's so, so damn hard to do. And I, I don't think that there's been enough that we can say for Maryland to say that they're an actual threat to do that. I, I will you know, say that... Just, bottom line, they're just not an 11-1 team. And that's what you would have to be to make a Big Ten title uh, coming out of the East. No, they're that, just not that And good. that's more than fair. And I, I wouldn't expect them to beat Ohio State in Columbus, although if they did come into that game undefeated, I mean, that should scare absolutely every Buckeye fan after the game we saw last season. But... That I there the door is definitely open there for upset potential. I think at Purdue that game's got unbelievable shootout potential written all over it. Yeah, given what we've seen so far, and I mean last Purdue, one with the ball wins, right? And Purdue proved last year against Ohio State if they come out and they hit you in the mouth quick enough, I mean it's really really hard to play catch up with them. And I think Maryland has enough offensive firepower to do it, but if Purdue's throwing haymakers at the start. I mean, it's if you're not on your game, it's it's difficult to, you know, stay up to task with them. And that's what we saw with Ohio State last year against them. But it's a long season. Um, we were both fairly impressed and they've got Temple this weekend. So I don't know that we really need to look at them again until they start yeah. playing Penn State. But I mean, credit credit where it's due. I think they've, they've gone from a six and six, seven and five team to an eight and four, nine and three team in two games. Absolutely. And, you know. That might come back towards the end, but yeah, all of a sudden they're not an afterthought anymore. Oh, program development, kudos. Now, now we just need Rutgers to follow suit, and those two acquisitions. No, we don't. Will, no, we don't. It's just not true. We don't need that at all. Uh, did, they need to stay in the basement forever. Did Rutgers bully you as a kid or something? Like, we, <laughs> so, so we did the we alluded this last week, so I'll actually get into it. Like, because I'm I'm sick and tired of this. So, like, there. Are, like college football, it, it, college sports is so craven, right? Like it's just the sick money grab made on the back of unpaid players. And like Rutgers is just the clearest example of why the only thing that the people who hold the strings of power in college football care about is money. Because Rutgers doesn't bring a damn thing to the Big Ten. But every time you see them, it's just a reminder that, oh, we needed to get to 14 teams and we needed to get into the New York market. So let's just add this dog team with all these dog programs we're just gonna make them a big 10 team just so we can get a couple of extra checks it's so infuriating damn just this constant reminder i hate it so much like they bring nothing other than cable boxes (laughs) get up the hell out of my conference well rutgers that was about as much FaceTime as you're gonna get on the burn down the big 10 podcast this season so until you lose 80 nothing to a big 10 team this year (laughs) Which will happen. Yeah. And then we'll laugh at you. That at will the be the entire show. It'll be the entire show. It'll be a let's play of the Rutgers game. <laughs> Stay tuned. That'll be great. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well then, let's uh let's move on to why I think most of our listeners are here from Land Grant Holy Land, who once again we're very thankful for hosting the Burton Down the Big Ten podcast. Let's talk about Ohio State a little bit. So I this was Definitely going to be their biggest test in non-conference against Cincinnati this weekend. I was, I'm not really sure what to make of UCLA, who Cincinnati played in their opener, but I was very, very impressed with how Cincinnati's defense put the clamps on UCLA. And given Ohio State's struggles with the rushing game over the previous season and a little bit out of the gate against Florida Atlantic, I was worried that Cincinnati was going to be able to give them a little bit of heat. And that just was not the case. So I've 
I've written about the game at length this week. I'm I'm curious what you thought, Ben, as an outside observer of Ohio State's performance against Cincinnati. It was a team they were supposed to blow out, and they blew them out. Cincinnati's just no good, and Ohio State beat them up. And you know, you can look at things that you did well. And I think you know when you look at a game like this, where one team's overmatched, like you really need to dig into tape to figure out what the real story is there, um, which is not something I've done. But yeah, I. Overall, for me, like I saw this final score and I thought, okay, yeah, it didn't wow me or anything like that. I watched a little bit of it; it didn't wow me. It was exactly what they were supposed to do, and they did it. Holding another team to zero is always damn hard. Congratulations on that. But yeah, I mean, Ohio State's really damn good. Cincinnati's absolutely not. I liked what I saw from the defense, and I enjoy what I've seen from the scheme so far in terms of them adopting zone finally after all these years of Shiano and man coverage. I was still very encouraged by what I saw from the offense. And I think you probably were too, given you were a little bit shaky on fields at the beginning of the year. And now it appears that the guy, even though he's, again, not going to be dropping in the bombs that Haskins was last year, he's comfortable attacking any part of the field that's vulnerable. And I think really the only thing that's missing from his game at this point is once he gets out of the pocket, is he going to be able to make the correct decisions? He's still ha- he's still taking sacks when he roll out and he's thinking about running, but at the same time he really hasn't used his legs yet as a weapon outside of the red zone. And I think that once we get into the more um, you know difficult teams and the more ranked teams in the Big Ten, that you're probably going to start seeing him use that a little bit more. And I, I I thought they just played great assignment football, and I think it's very encouraging going forward. But again, we're not really going to. So when do you think that yet. we're when do you think we're actually going to know if Ohio State is is college football playoff level good? It's going to be a long time, it, right? Like a long, long time. It probably time. will be a little bit. Um, you know, at Indiana this it's weekend. It's going to be like the end of October, at, right? At Indiana this weekend, they, I think that they would win. And Michigan State, you would expect them to blow the doors off just because they don't have an offense at all. Although they did hang 50, and we're going to talk about them in a minute. Um, but... Like it's, I mean, these next games, I think, you know, basically depending on how you view Nebraska, considering we both agree that Michigan State really isn't that good, like the the next, the first challenge they're going to see is October 26th. Like it's going to be very strange that we're going to have the best team in the conference is going to be in the top five for literally another month, month and a half before we really know if this is a legit thing or not. Like, that's a really friendly start of the schedule. There's so much time for y'all to really work out some kinks. Like, that's a, that's really bizarre. It's really strange. It's going to be so quiet until it gets really, really loud really fast. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about if Michigan State's offense bounced back this weekend and give you a quick roundup from uh, the other action around the Big Ten West last week. Uh, then Ben will tell you about Northwestern this weekend, and uh, we'll give you some more Big Ten games to watch. So uh, stay tuned, and we'll be right back. And we are back. So, Ben. Yes. Sparty. Yes. They donned the radioactive crossing guard uniforms this weekend. Yes. And apparently did. that lit a fire underneath them to hang 51 on, I believe it was Western Western Michigan. Michigan. 
It's so, directional Michigan number two. <laughs> That's a great way to term it. So I'm curious what you thought of them hanging 51 on one of those sneaky Mac teams that turned out not to be so sneaky. I think Western Michigan sucks big ass. There you go. <laughs> I mean, Michigan State's going to be able to score if they can run the ball, like in between the tackles. If they can run the ball successfully, they're going to be able to move the ball. If you make them do anything else, it's going to get a little bit interesting. But, yeah, they pounded the ball down Western Michigan's throat, and they threw it when they had to, and everything worked well. But I, I think, you know, Western Michigan, like you've seen directional Michigans be good in the past. You've seen Western Michigan be good in the past I, when P.J. Fleck was there. But they're not a good team this year. I mean, they're down below 100 in SP+. Plus. Like Michigan State played a bad team, kicked them in the teeth. It's better than they did in week one. But, you know, I feel like a wet blanket because I've said it about just about every game. But I don't think this game tells you all that much besides the fact that Western Michigan is really, really bad. For them, I, I would not expect them to score 50 again against any of these other teams. And I, I don't really expect them to be able to do anything other than throwing the ball. And also, uh, Lewerke, that's that's the quarterback, Lewerke. Brian threw a, a hilariously bad interception that very much almost <laughs> set up a score before the half that was going to cut their deficit in half by two scores. Luckily, Michigan State's defense came through and picked the ball off in the end zone before the end of the half, and then they just ran away with it from there. But the offense is going to get in its own way constantly. And I, 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 to be honest, they play Northwestern in two weeks. I fully expect Northwestern to beat them. I, I, I think the first team to double digits in that game wins, but I'm yeah, – That's going to be so fucking hard to watch. It's going to be pretty brutal. But <laughs> I'm, I'm curious so if you feel the same way. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Michigan State, that's going to be their first test. Arizona State's no good. And for what it's worth, Northwestern has had Michigan State's number in a big way. And Michigan State's going to keep like, moving up in these AP rankings. They're going to be right around 15, and they're going to be going into Evanston on a warm or cold morning. Who knows? At 11 a.m. Yeah, and they could absolutely lose that game. I'm, I still don't believe Michigan State is the 18th best team in the no, country. I think that's an absolute joke. That's a, There's just no that's way. Crazy. There, there's no way that you should have the rank ahead of Maryland at this stage. I, I think that's Yeah, exactly. That I mean, that's, that's you know, why these preseason rankings mean so little. And that's what the college football playoff ranking gets right, is that they don't show up until week six. But yeah, it's just these sticky preseason rankings that will eventually get worked out. But yeah, Michigan State, still no good. Congrats on your 50-point game. Uh, you might get another one against Arizona State. Um, you won't, though. And this will be the last one. Not if Herman so enjoy has anything to say it. about it. Uh, yes. Well, I don't know. Is, is Herm actually like in charge of that team, or is it his cabal of weird leadership guys? He's doing something. It's very he's strange. He's down there. He's getting paid. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's, he's in a salary role. Um, yeah. You know, we glossed over it, but I really need to just mention it again. Those, those Michigan State uniforms are so offensively bad. bad. I, who so who designed do them? You do you want me know? to be an apologist? No, I don't. But I can be an apologist about this for one second, which is it would have been okay if there was no white anywhere in the uniform. I agree with that. Actually. I actually agree like with that. that. Stayed, 
I would have completely saved the outfit. It would have been totally okay. I, I, but the fact that they made it three tone is just so no, bad. It's, there's, it's so you cannot keep your original color scheme and then interject something like that. Yes. Lime yes, green. Exactly right. cro- I call it crossing guard, whatever it was. It's just so awful on the eyes. And you know what? Maybe to their credit, they were using it to psych out the other team. Because I know if I had to line up against that for 60 <laughs> minutes, I, I'd probably have to get my yeah, eyes checked after the more. game. Go visit my <laughs> optometrist or something. Because, I mean, oh, my God. Is that, yeah. is that who sees yeah. eyes? Optometry? Uh, an optometrist or an ophthalmologist. Gotcha. Both you correct. would know better than me. I, I'm the only person in my family with 20-20 vision. I'm very blessed for that. And I know because I just said that yeah, in 20 years, I'm going to get cataracts. So, Congratulations. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, Also, the Michigan State neon basketball jerseys, totally fine. I don't – Just wear those. I, don't, I haven't seen them off the top of my head. Let me let me take a quick gander. It's, it's, it's perfectly okay. Michigan State yeah, neon basketball. Their script yeah. jerseys are the ones they should wear every single time. But right, they're fine. Like they're not nearly as offensive as these. Yeah, no, this, so this is good. I, I like the I like the top so and bottom thing. But yeah, it's that same yeah. puke green color, but they make it work. It's better than you know just yes. wearing puke pants and then putting state <laughs> on the front of the jersey. So, but, you know. <laughs> all right, that's enough about Michigan State. Let's uh, let's put a bow on the rest of the Big West. Um, why don't you tell me who? So obviously, uh, Wisconsin impressed. Well, impressed depending on your dev. I mean, we just tore one directional Michigan apart, and then I guess Wisconsin played the non-directional directional Michigan this weekend in Central Michigan and beat yes. them sixty-one nothing in the Battle of JJ Watt. Uh, but they, other than them, you know, sixty-one is sixty-one. Give them credit where it's due. But what other team? this weekend impressed you in the big 10 west it was iowa i was gonna I mean, say they just well. they put rutgers in a chokehold for 60 minutes i mean rutgers is never even remotely in that game and it's iowa so they don't win 80 to nothing they'll just they're perfectly happy sticking between 25 and 35 thank you very much we'll take the win and go home but yeah i mean rutgers sucks they're garbage but Boy, did Iowa just – I mean, that's as much as you can control a football game. It was pretty textbook. It's been a long time since I've seen you know, two two power conference teams who are not like Rutgers and Ohio State or Rutgers and Michigan. Um, it's been a long time since it's been just that out of balance. It was just completely one-way traffic. I mean, the thing that really stood out to me watching that game was I don't think I've ever seen a game where – I, I really do not think that any of their players missed any of their assignments on offense the whole game. I, I think every single player, every time they run the, ran the ball, was getting a block on somebody. And they played about as I, – I keep praise on Ohio State for playing great assignment football against Cincinnati. But Iowa, I mean, they every single guy on that team knew exactly what their role and their job was on every single play. And you you put it perfectly. I mean, they really choked the life out of Rutgers for 60 minutes. And I, even though it is Rutgers, I think if you're a Big Ten team or a team in the Big Ten West and you watch that performance, if you were not realistically considering Iowa as the biggest threat to your crown or your potential crown or your odds of winning the Big Ten West in general, you really have to do it now. Yeah, I mean – Iowa's a really balanced team, and you know, they won't beat themselves all that often 
And that's going to be worth a lot of wins in the Big Ten West because it always is. Uh, but yeah, they played great. I mean, I thought Purdue getting back on track by beating Vanderbilt, and I think they really pulled away in the second half of that game, right? Mm. It was close for a while. Here's the thing that concerns me with Purdue. I think there, I mean, there's a lot to be concerned well, about. The, the chief thing with me is this. Through two games this year, they've got, I think, 84 rushing yards. And that's it. Well, that's not wonderful. That's not very good at all. And they've and it's and they only have 84 yards, despite the fact that they've held leads in the fourth quarter of both of their games. So even though they were ahead against Vanderbilt, they clearly did not want to stop Elijah Sinilar from throwing the ball. And I think he went over 500 yards. So, you know, what, great and good for him and whatever. But you cannot play in that gear for 60 minutes and expect to win football games. And they, and it, their proof is in the fact that they lost to Nevada doing exactly that. So if they're not going to commit at all to building any sort of running game, which they still haven't, I, I'm not convinced that they're going to be a realistic player this season for the big 10 until they prove that they're going to be able oh, yeah. to no, shift down in gears when the moment calls for it, they're going to keep playing themselves out of games. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the reasons why I never thought that they were going to be a Big Ten West title contender. But they, yeah, they certainly have the firepower to be one of those pesky teams that beats a really good team. But yeah, they're just they're not ready to grit and grind games out. Like you know, you can actually you're a really good football team, right? When you can win a game without your A game, really even your B game. Like if Purdue isn't firing throwing the ball they're gonna be in so much trouble like they could lose to anyone like nevada <laughs> so yeah but i mean yeah, they got a good win though 77 I mean, I, to what over the weekend by the way it wasn't no. good it was, it was not good <laughs> it was not good it's absolutely insane like that's you know we were talking about how rutgers and iowa is like as much as you can control a game it's not true because <laughs> oregon messed nevada up yeah that's like the one of the most brutal box scores you'll see it this was season. not great yeah yeah, Siebert's. yeah, Purdue getting a win was good. I think if you want to be like a super apologist, you can say Illinois coming back in that game is nothing to sneeze at. I think it kind of is something to sneeze at. But I think Illinois teams in the past probably would have rolled over and gone home and just taken the loss to UConn. I agree. The March toward six continues for Levy. <laughs> That's the only number that matters. So he's got two. Hey, good for him and his beard. But we should talk about Oh, Nebraska. my goodness. I can't wait. Are you ready for my oh, take about Nebraska? Yes. I've, been, I've been lay it on I've been me, Ben Goran. on this. That game doesn't mean anything, and here's why: <laughs> because in this very strange world that is the Big Ten West ecosphere, your non-conference doesn't matter at that's all. True, that's it fair. means less than nothing. And my evidence of that is Northwestern went zero three in non-conference and still showed up in the Big Ten title game because Nebraska is never a national title contender which means the bottom line is you can lose as many games as you want in non-conference because it's not like you need to pad your rating. This is the part like where that. I have to let the listeners know that Ben correctly predicted Northwestern would lose to Akron last year and win the Big Ten West. So th- this guy knows what That's he's talking true. about. I, I know this diseased <laughs> ecosphere in which I live. So they lost to Colorado, but then they play NIU and Illinois next. And the, those are games that you can just keep getting better and keep getting better. You're going to lose to Ohio State, whatever. And then you have four more games that you probably should win. 
And like I said, from the very first time we started about Nebraska, what really matters for them is basically how they're playing into October and November. They can be a shitty team for the rest of this month and it really won't hurt them at the end of the day. And I do think that they are still getting better as a football team. I thought Martinez looked really good until things started kind of going sideways for them. Uh, the fact that their defense kind of capitulated is definitely uh, not a good sign for, for them, especially after how week one went. But they can be bad for another really long time, and everything's going to be just fine. People are going to forget about Nebraska. They're going to just write them off after the first two weeks of the season, and then they're going to see them near the top of the Big Ten West uh, standings at the end of the year, and they're going to wonder why I happened. will give them I one. would not put your, this team down quite yet. I will give them one break in this sense. They fell victim during their comeback to a flea flicker that Colorado ran from its own five-yard line, which I don't think I've ever seen a a more balls-to-the-wall call in a football game in someone's own back five yards than that. I mean, if that play goes even a little bit wrong, you potentially run yourself out of the game ended up going for a 95-yard touchdown and gave them the momentum that they needed to come all the way back. So I I don't know how many 95-yard flea flickers you're going to see over the course of a college football season. That being said... That would be the one. (laughs) Right, that one. That being said, Nebraska led 17-0 up until, I think, the final two minutes of the third quarter and then just completely lost the plot. I mean, they for how long that they were leading in that game, they should have won. And then when they they let Colorado come back, and then they actually had plenty of chances to definitively slam the door on them in the fourth quarter. They made an awesome special mm-hmm. teams play where they ran down the Colorado kick return guy who at that point was close to breaking it out to midfield, and they had a guy run them all the way down and force the fumble from the back. And they didn't score any points off of that turnover, even though they got the ball in in Colorado territory. And if you're not able to take advantage of your opportunities like that, you're just not going to be able to win football games. And they had two different stretches this game where they got complacent, let them come back, and then they were able to make a play, and then they weren't able to make plays. And if you have that kind of inconsistency all season, which I think a quarterback like Martinez kind of lends himself to – your football team is going to have problems for from now yeah, so to the I think end. That's one of those things where you see what you want to see because you could say that Nebraska was the best team for the vast majority of that game and were kind of unlucky to lose. And like that's probably a good thing. Whenever you see a game like this, it's, it's those two sides of the coin and it's trying to figure out which one is more accurate. It's very hard to say this early in the season, which is probably the 15th time I've said that today. But there, there's lots of positives and there's lots of negatives. And for a super young team that is still figuring out a whole lot about how the game of football works, um, I think it's okay. It's obviously not good, but I think it's going to be okay. And again, you have a lot of warm-up games to go. You have probably three more in a row before things actually start really well, mattering. Well, to your point about Nebraska getting better, I do think that losing to Colorado is at least better than beating South Alabama by only two touchdowns at home. So you have got me and there. It's, color, it's on the road, too. It's a tough game. It's really not that's an easy fair. game. I think that's why we felt like they were going to lose. So maybe we are being yeah. too hard on them, but I don't know. I, I, I enjoy beating up on them for some reason. They are, they, for some reason, <laughs> they are, to me, 
I, I, the, all those points you made earlier about Rutgers, I kind of feel about Nebraska that they're just trying to get yeah, that and they were the potential first Big Twelve market. With the one difference being that Nebraska is, you know, relevant to the history of college football for more than just hosting the first <laughs> college football game, and is actually, you know, <laughs> plays palatable and competitive football. So you know what, good for them. But in any event, that's enough about the Big Ten West, or at least. Everyone else of the Big Ten West that matters except for Northwestern. So, Ben, why don't you tell yes. us? You are you are going on? shockingly optimistic about Northwestern this weekend. That's I can't right. believe it. Yeah, UNLV is extremely poor at football. They're a very bad team. And Northwestern plays them at home, and their home opener in Northwestern will win. But it's very possible that Northwestern's best quarterback is out for the season. And the weird part is it's not their five-star recruit. It's their walk-on. TJ Green, who played one series, looked super awesome, um, and then got his bell rung and his ankle completely shredded on one play. And he had surgery, and he's done for the rest of the year. Uh, remember when I said Northwestern's going to compete for the Big Ten West? Oh, they won't. It's going to be a challenge. Oh, to six. It's going to be really, really bad. But yeah, I mean, like this might not be a terrible. This is this is just so not true. But I'm going to say it anyway because this is how my brain works. It's your podcast, this might not be man. a terrible game to watch. That's true. This might not be a terrible game to watch because I think it's it's going to tell you a lot about Hunter Johnson. Like if Northwestern actually has a five star kid who's has the potential to break out as he continues to mature, he should throw the ball for like 350 yards in this game. Like he should absolutely shred that team up. But if he struggles in any way, shape, or form, Northwestern's going to be a really fun dumpster fire to watch for the rest of the year. Well, I'm sure that 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 lines up exactly with what you want to see either way. So, yeah, that's true because I want to see Mick McCall get a Viking funeral. <laughs> that's the best way this season ends. It's just pushing him out to sea in a boat, setting On it alight. Michigan. Yeah. Yes, or the Lakeville, or the canal that runs through Evanston. I don't care. <laughs> just, <laughs> just don't care. Downstream. Just get him away from my football team. <laughs> just somewhere on a body of water. Just it's fine. <laughs> we'll figure out the details right. later. Just plan well, for everything. Why else. don't get we the wrap up then with uh, what we think is going to be the best one games to watch in the Big Ten this weekend? So we've got another inner Big Ten scrimmage, or I, well, I shouldn't call it a scrimmage, but that's very well uh, might end up being. If I recall correctly, Ben, we actually watched the last time Ohio State played at Indiana together, and we played witness to J.K. Dobbins announcing to the world that he is a good college football running back. I think he, yeah, I think he that's did right. for 180 right. yards. Yeah. He didn't get a touchdown, but yep. looked like a pint-sized Ezekiel Elliott in his first college game ever at Indiana in Bloomington. So I'm looking forward to seeing him come back there. Seems like Indiana's keying on Justin Fields' ability to run the ball based on what I've read, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because Fields hasn't really done a whole lot of that outside of the red zone this year. So that ends up being their focus. I think that they might end up uh, in hot water pretty quickly in that game. But um, I think uh, I think the pretty clear-cut winner this weekend is uh, Iowa at Iowa State for what's going to be the best game to watch. Right. Yeah, no question. I mean, that's, that's yeah. game day. Oh, so it is? I did not realize that. One. Wow. According, so, yeah. it says uh, I'm looking at the schedule right now, and it says the game is on Fox Sports One. Yeah, FS1. which shocks me that they would option game day to there, given that not just give it to some rinky dink SEC or ACC team, but you know, good, good for you, ESPN. College enjoy, game day will enjoy, be there, and then enjoy we'll hand it off to Iowa. 
game day crew. Scenic Ames, <laughs> Iowa. Scenic and beautiful Ames, Iowa. And as for the upset picks, uh, (laughs) I'm telling you what, NIU, I thought, hung pretty tough at Utah last week. I'm going to take NIU to beat Nebraska, man. (laughs) I'm taking it. I I do not like them. Just shot at me. This is rude. (laughs) I do not like Nebraska, and I know that they're at home. And I think, hey, you know what? NIU hung tough with a much tougher opponent in their house last week, and I think that – they're probably hungry for you know something a little bit more than a 35-17 defeat. I think they come out antsy against Nebraska, and I think that they, I think they get it. Well, that oh, won't happen. I think it's going to be a clean. I, I so I think this is a clean sweep really? for the Big Ten this week. I think they get out of this week just fine. Um, I think that probably the game that will tell you the most about what a team is going to look like for the rest of the year is TCU Purdue. I feel like there's probably going to be like real learnings that you can take away from that game. Yeah. Other than Ohio state, Indiana, which is an actual football game. But yeah, other than that, I really don't see a big 10 team uh, in serious trouble of losing other uh, Iowa, Iowa state. I think I was going to win that game. Yeah, I got to be honest. If you, if you keep um, up this optimism, Ben, I don't know how much longer we can do this podcast. I mean, this is, this is borderline <laughs> offensive. Just give me time. Yeah, we Just haven't really time. started once, Big once Ten play like yet. Big Ten to your started. point, Northwestern exactly. hasn't totally gone off the rails. So maybe after Hunter Johnson throws exactly. three picks this weekend, we'll uh... – Right. So if 0-7 Northwestern becomes like a real thing, which it will the second if like the UNLV game starts to become in question at all – uh, just pray and for listeners, if you made it really to the ugly, end really here, fast. and we appreciate you listening, you are going to want to stick around for Ben slowly slipping into his northwestern <laughs> fueled madness. Because I promise you, the the ways he's going to invent for Mick McCall to be sent off are going to be just increasingly creative and Rube Goldbergian. Yeah, this this ends with me getting swatted for something I said about Mick McCall on a podcast. We need someone to make a logo for us that's just you doing something incredibly funny to Mick McCall. (laughs) I can't can't think of anything that would be better than that. So for the people, for the the tens of people listening to us right now, if one of you has any graphic design skills and wants to pass us along something of that variety, we'd be extremely appreciative. But until then, we've reached about the end of our time here. Uh, We thank you very much for listening to another episode of Burn Down the Big Ten. Uh, We will be back in your ear as always next Friday morning uh, with all of the news and analysis from last week and uh, looking uh, ahead to the future. So uh, for Ben Gorin, I am George Eisner, and thank you very much for listening to Burn Down the Big Ten. 